0: As the church reckons time, we're now in the season of Epiphany. The season of Epiphany celebrates the life of Jesus, his teaching and ministry, as a manifestation, an epiphany, of light and truth of God among us. It's worth noting that when we recite the creed, we pass over the teaching and ministry of Jesus without so much as a word. This is because we don't believe that Jesus is the son of God on the basis of his teachings or even his miracles. Rather, because we believe that Jesus is the son of God, we pay attention to what he said and did. For as we heard this morning, he taught them as one who had authority. This was what amazed those who heard him, particularly his exorcisms. People perceived... That he had authority. And yet I think the exorcisms is what makes Jesus and the message of the Gospels uncomfortable for us. The idea of people possessed with unclean spirits seems to us pre-modern, unscientific superstitious, in a word, unenlightened. Partly, this may be due to the fact that in our society, the most severely mentally ill people are in psychiatric hospitals, safely hidden from view. Surely, the garrison demoniac would not today be chained naked among the tombs in the darkness on the edge of town. But what of the man in today's gospel lesson, the man in their synagogue, is he not apt to be more like Lucifer in the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil? (laughs) A man of wealth and taste? Indeed, M. Scott Peck, a clinical psychiatrist, a Christian, and the best-selling author of The Road Less Traveled, wrote in his 1983 book, The People of the Lie, The Hope for Healing Human Evil, that evil people tend to gravitate toward piety for the disguise and concealment it can offer them. His thesis is that human evil can be diagnosed and treated. He calls such evil ones the people of the lie. And he writes, what distinguishes the evil from the rest of us mentally ill sinners is the specific type of pain they are running away from. They are not pain avoiders or lazy people in general. To the contrary, they are likely to exert themselves more than most in their continuing effort to obtain and maintain an image of high respectability. They may willingly, even eagerly, undergo great hardships in their search for status. It is only one particular kind of pain they cannot tolerate, the pain of their own conscience, the pain of the realization of their own sinfulness and imperfection. Since they will do almost anything to avoid the particular pain that comes from self-examination, under ordinary circumstances, they are the last people who would ever come to psychotherapy. The evil hate the light, the light of goodness that shows them up, the light of scrutiny that exposes them, the light of truth that penetrates their deception. This is what happened when the incarnate light of Jesus confronted the man in the synagogue with the unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God, Scott Peck explains. The process of personality change is a painful one. It is like a death. The old personality pattern must die for a new pattern to take its place. The evil are pathologically attached to the status quo of their personalities, which in their narcissism, they consciously regard as perfect. I think it is quite possible that the evil may perceive even a small degree of change in their beloved selves as representing total annihilation. In this sense, the threat of self-criticism may feel to one who is evil, synonymous with the threat of extinction. The parish I I served before retiring to Southwest Florida had been through a difficult time. Their former rector had nearly destroyed the parish. He was enormously talented and intelligent. In the early years of his long tenure, the parish had grown in numbers and budget. But he also created factions in the parish and played favorites. He was manipulative and abusive. And he embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars and was finally defrocked as a priest after an ecclesiastical trial, whereupon he tried to withdraw the parish from the diocese and seize the church property. I was appointed as priest in charge just after the diocese had regained the church property after a two-year civil trial. Soon after I arrived, I was invited to lunch by the diocesan attorney. He told me, my firm defends only churches. I am responsible for defrocking more than 300 clergy persons throughout the country. I have never seen anyone like your former rector. (laughs) I also had a conversation with the police detective who was involved in the ongoing criminal trial against the rector. I asked him what he thought the rector was up to, what he believed, he said, you can look in that man's eyes and see the back of his skull. What confused me was that the rector had served so long before his crimes had finally exposed him. I learned that people had been afraid of him. They feared his anger, his outbursts. They feared retaliation. They feared that confronting him would destroy them all. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And so most did nothing. Of course, we would rather not confront evil. As Scott Peck says, evil is live spelled backwards. Evil is destructive, death-dealing, vengeful. But confronting evil is a condition of our baptism. Before being baptized, we must renounce evil. We must renounce the evil within us as the sinful desires that draw us from the love of God. We must renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. And we must renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God. So long as we try to avoid the pain of repentance or of reform or of confrontation, we only enable and empower evil and become enslaved to its tyranny. As Edmund Burke wrote long ago, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. But Jesus rebuked the man with the unclean spirit. That was what was so amazing to the synagogue congregation. Jesus confronts evil as one who has authority, as Lord and Savior. He commands even the evil spirits and they obey him and we have turned to him as our Lord. We have promised to follow and obey him as our savior. And we must put our whole trust in his grace and love if we would take up our cross and follow him, if we would be his disciples. He is the Lord of life who has been given as a light to the nations and he has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. Amen.